And let's open our Bibles together to the book of Romans, chapter 16. Romans chapter 16, the last chapter of the book of Romans, the final mile in this Romans marathon we have been running together. And in this final chapter, Paul gives us, as is often the case in his letters, some concluding greetings and some sort of final exhortations and in this case, a benediction and a doxology, a number of wonderful things in this final chapter. But this morning, we're just going to look at the first part, verses 1 through 16, where Paul does two things. First, he commends Phoebe, a woman named Phoebe, who was probably the bearer of the letter, the one who brought the letter to the believers in Rome. So he commends Phoebe to them. And then secondly, he gives some personal greetings to these believers in which there are some really good baby names for any who are interested. (laughs) Names uh, like Asyncretus and Phlegon. There are some solid ones as well like Phoebe and Mary and Julia. Uh, Those are really the only three I think in the list that we commonly use today. But there are plenty of uh, names in this list. And if you're visiting us for the first time and and your name happens to be Phlegon, I'm very sorry. Uh, (laughs) Did not mean to to publicly make fun of you. I hope you'll come back despite what I said. But if you are like me, when you reach this part of Paul's letters, it can be somewhat typical for you to kind of speed up a little bit in your reading. Uh, Perhaps your attention kind of dwindles a little bit as you read these greetings and long lists of names. But even though that is the case, let's remember together that there are some real gems in these parts of Paul's letters for us to find. And of course, the ending of the letter is just as divinely inspired as the beginning and the middle. And so we want to give our attention to it. We want to focus on this closing chapter with that in mind. All scripture is breathed out by God and is therefore profitable for us. Sometimes there are treasures in the corners of the treasure chamber that are hidden and we won't see them unless we take the time to look around and explore and discover what's there for us, what God has put there for us to find. That's what we're gonna do this morning as we begin this final chapter of the book of Romans. But let's pray first and then we'll begin. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word and for the fact that all scripture is breathed out by you and is therefore profitable for us to teach us, to rebuke us, to correct us, and to train us in righteousness that we may be complete, equipped for every good work. And we pray now that you would use this part of your word to do that in us by the power of your spirit for the glory of Christ and for the good of those around us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Romans chapter 16, reading verses one through 16. These are the words of God given to us through the apostle Paul. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Sencreae, 
that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you. For she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. Greet Prissa and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house. Greet my beloved Eponidas, who was the first convert to Christ in Asia. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners. They are well known to the apostles, and they were in Christ before me. Greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my beloved Stachys. Greet Apelles, who is approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family of Aristobulus. Greet my kinsman Herodian. Greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. Greet those workers in the Lord, Tryphena and Tryphosa. Greet the beloved Persis, who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Petrobus, Hermas, and the brothers who are with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Nerus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. Two points this morning, very simple and straightforward. You can see in your sermon notes. First, we'll look at what Paul says about Phoebe in verses one and two, and then we'll spend the rest of our time on the greetings he gives in verses three through 16. So about Phoebe, Paul says again in verse one, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Sencrie, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you, for she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. Like I said, Phoebe was probably the one who brought the letter to the Romans. And Paul's saying, I commend her to you. She's a servant of Christ. She has served faithfully in the church at Sencrea. She's been a patron of many, including me. So welcome her and also help her in whatever she may need from you. Phoebe may have been a single woman or perhaps a widow since there's no mention of her husband here, which we would expect in light of some of the other women that we'll encounter in the verses that follow. And she is referred to as a servant of the church at Sencrie. A lot of ink has been spilled on this particular phrase because the Greek word that's translated servant here can also be translated deacon depending on the context. So for example, in Mark chapter 10, verse 43, it's translated servant. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant, Jesus said. But in Philippians 1, 1, for example, it's translated deacon because of the context. To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers, or elders, and deacons. Same thing in 1 Timothy 3, verse 8. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, etc., etc. So the word could be translated here in Romans 16, verse 1, as servant, or it could be translated deacon. 
But given what the Bible says about the role of men and women in the church in many places, and in particular what it says about the office of deacon, for example, in Acts chapter six, where those chosen to serve as the sort of first deacons were all men, qualified men, and in 1 Timothy 3, where the deacons are clearly men and are distinguished actually from their wives, Given all of that, it seems proper to translate it here as servant, as the ESV translation has done, not deacon. Paul is really commending Phoebe for her faithful service of her local church at Sancreae, which he actually refers to at the end of the next verse, verse two, for she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. She's been a patron, she's been a benefactor, a supporter, a helper of many and of me, Paul says. So help her because she has helped others. Help her in whatever she may need from you. A place to stay, probably, so hospitality, or any other kind of support she may need so that she can have a fruitful visit to Rome and then, of course, return home. Welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints, he says, which is an interesting phrase. Could mean in a way that saints should welcome in a way worthy of the saints or perhaps in a way that saints should be welcomed in a way worthy of the saints. Welcome her in the Lord, help her in whatever she may need from you. This is Paul's commendation of Phoebe. Well, what can we take away from this, from these first two verses? Two things I'll mention. First, this is an occasion for us to remember what the Bible says about men's and women's roles in the church. Scripture teaches that men and women are equal in value and yet distinct in role. We are equally made in the image of God and yet we have different roles that God has given to us as male and female. And this is true both in the church and in the home. In the home, husbands are called to lead and to love their wives, and wives are called, called to follow their husband's lead and to support and help their husbands. Ephesians chapter five talks about that. And that's not because women are inferior to men or less important than men. Men are not more important or more valuable than women. No, this is rooted in God's good design for us as male and female and how each of the two genders bear the image of God and reflect the image of God and display that image in complementary ways. And really that's meant to be a beautiful thing in the home, though it is distorted sometimes. It's meant to be a beautiful thing when husbands are being husbands and wives are being wives according to the, the word of God. That is a blessing, that is a joy to both husbands and wives and also to children. It's not oppressive, it's not abusive, it is actually wonderful and life-giving when men's and women's roles are being lived out humbly and graciously in the home. And it's similar in the church in terms of men leading and loving and women following and supporting. And one of the ways that plays out in the church is that the offices of elder and deacon are offices that scripture says should be held by qualified men and that those offices are not open to women. Again, not because women are less important or valuable, but because that is God's wise design for the good of his church, 
1 Timothy chapter 2 and also chapter 3, and Titus chapter 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and chapter 14 would be some places that that is taught in Scripture. And this whole thing about Phoebe being a servant and not a deacon, it's really an occasion for us to gain clarity on this subject of men's and women's roles. And it's an opportunity for us to remember that God's design is good. It's a good design. It's very good. When men are being godly men and women are being godly women, carrying out our respective roles that God has given to each of us, everybody wins in that. And the environment in the home and the environment in the church is an environment that is loving and fruitful and encouraging and life-giving and God-honoring. And that's what we wanna aim for with God's help, both in our homes and here in this church. And I would wanna say too that even though Phoebe wasn't a deacon, she didn't hold the office of deacon, that doesn't mean that she wasn't actively engaged and involved in ministry in her local church. She was, she was exemplary in her service in the church in Sancreate within the bounds of God's good design. She was a patron of many, Paul says. She was a patron of Paul himself. She was the bearer of the book of Romans. And that reminds us that women can serve in many ways in the church faithfully and fruitfully, like our women do here at CRPC. And women, I'll say, you do this very well. You do this very faithfully for God's glory. You teach children's Sunday school. You serve in the nursery. You play the piano. You serve on a committee. You organize events. You serve in the kitchen. You meet with other women for discipleship and prayer and accountability. You serve and lead our young girls and you teach them how to be godly women. You welcome newcomers. You engage with people who are on the fringes socially. You pray for people. You carry out ministry every day in your home, loving your husbands for those of you who are married, loving your children for those of you who have children. You evangelize and disciple those children. In the home, you are a chef and a nurse and a counselor and a judge and a social worker and an interior designer and a dental hygienist and an Uber driver. You are workers at home, as Paul says in Titus 2. You show hospitality to many in the many different forms that can take. And your family members and your fellow church members are the beneficiaries of your faithful ministry, women. There are so many ways you can serve in the home and in the church as women within God's good design. And like Phoebe, I would say you are a good example of that worthy of commendation and worthy of emulation. Second thing we can take away from this first section about Phoebe, it's related to the first, is that mutual service should characterize our relationships with each other in the body of Christ. Mutual service, serving each other, should characterize our relationships with one another in the body of Christ. All of us, I think, should follow Phoebe's example here, and also Paul's exhortation. In terms of Phoebe's example, she was a servant of the church. She was a patron of many and of the Apostle Paul. Every member of our church should be a servant of our church, a servant of Carlisle Reformed Presbyterian Church, obviously a servant ultimately of Jesus Christ, but in terms of how that plays out in the local church, we are all servants of the church. Our sinful instinct is to serve ourselves, of course, 
to come to church thinking first and foremost about ourselves. What can I get out of it? What is there here for me? But since we follow a savior who came not to be served but to serve, we should come to church not to be served but to serve. We should come to church mainly to give, not mainly to get. We should think of ourselves as producers, not consumers. More like a waiter in a restaurant serving guests than the guests sitting at the table being waited upon, expecting to be served. We should actively engage in serving each other, not passively wait to be served by each other. So we should follow Phoebe's example in that respect, and of course our saviors beyond her. We should also follow Paul's exhortation here that the believers welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need. We should do that. We should welcome one another in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints, in a way that saints ought to welcome and in a way that saints ought to be welcomed. We're on the same team. We're on team church. And we shouldn't treat anyone who's wearing the same jersey as if they were wearing the opposing team's jersey. We're not enemies, we're friends. We're not strangers, we're family. John Murray wrote regarding Phoebe that to welcome her in the Lord is to accept her as one bound to them in the bond and fellowship of union with Christ. We should accept our fellow church member as one bound to us in the bond and fellowship of union with Christ. And we should help each other in whatever we may need from each other. Which means of course that we should share our needs with each other which is sometimes hard to do. That requires being open and transparent in conversation with each other about our prayer needs, about our spiritual struggles about financial difficulties we may be having, about relational problems, so that we can truly help each other. We are servants of each other, we are helpers of each other. And we should serve each other because Christ served us. We should help each other because Christ helped us. His service and help are what motivate us and empower us to serve and help each other. We serve as those who've been served. We help as those who've been helped. Mutual service should characterize our relationships with each other more and more here in the body of Christ at CRPC. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Sencrie, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you, for she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. That is about Phoebe, but Paul is really just getting started in terms of naming people and saying encouraging things about them, so let's look at what he says in this next paragraph full of greetings, our second main point now, greetings. And I'm gonna break this down into seven greetings since there's a lot of overlap as you'll see, and we'll, we'll walk through them briefly, don't be, don't be nervous about the number seven. And at the close, I'll have just a few additional points of application. So seven greetings. Number one, we have Prissa and Aquila. We'll take a little more time on this than on the others. Look at verse three. Greet Prissa and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life, 
to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Prissa was the wife and Aquila was the husband. They're the ones who were tent makers along with Paul. You may remember from the book of Acts. They're also the ones who helped Apollos in Acts 18 where it says that they took him aside and explained to him the word of God or the way of God more accurately. And here Paul mentions that they risked their necks for his life. We're not sure what incident he's referring to, but since his life was so often in danger, uh, there could have been any number of times when Prissa and Aquila risked their necks for his life. And because of that, and because of their, their ministry, Paul thanks them, and all the churches of the Gentiles thank them as well. He also says to greet the church in their house, which is a reminder that many of the local churches at the time, probably not all, but many, met in houses. They had elders and deacons and members and all the rest as we read about in the New Testament, but instead of meeting in a church building like ours, which weren't really around very much at the time, they met in people's homes, and that was the case with Prissa and Aquila. And notice that Paul also underscores the fact that they are his fellow workers in Christ Jesus. They were his co-workers, his co-laborers, his teammates, if you will, his fellow workers in Christ Jesus. Much the same is said down in verse six about Mary. Greet Mary who has worked hard for you. And down in verse nine, greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ. Verse 12, greet those workers in the Lord, Tryphena and Tryphosa. Greet the beloved Persis who has worked hard in the Lord. Just a good reminder to us that it's good for us to work hard in the Lord, in his service, in his strength. And also for us to think of each other, not just as the so-and-sos or the people who sit near me or the people who sit on the other side of the sanctuary, but to think of each other as co-workers in the ministry of the gospel of Christ as the body of Christ, in the mission God has given us to glorify and enjoy him through worship and nurture and witness. Let's think of each other that way, as co-workers, as teammates in carrying out that mission God has given us. Number two, second half of verse five. Greet my beloved Eponidas, who was the first convert to Christ in Asia. Love that phrase, the first convert to Christ in Asia. It's pretty awesome. The first, definitely not the last. Notice that he calls him my beloved Eponidas, just like down in verse eight. Greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. And the second half of verse nine. And my beloved Stachys. As we already saw in the second half of verse 12. Greet the beloved Persis. Certainly this doesn't mean that others weren't beloved, but these were probably the believers that Paul knew best, and so it would have made sense to everyone else on the list why he was calling them beloved. Number three, verse seven. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners, 
they are well known to the apostles and they were in Christ before me. So they had become Christians before Paul became a Christian and they were well known to the apostles probably for their ministry, their service. And they were Paul's fellow prisoners having been imprisoned either with him or as well as him, perhaps at the same time, perhaps at a different time. And they were his kinsmen, that is his fellow Israelites. The same is said in verse 11 about Herodian, greet my kinsman, Herodian. There are many Gentiles in this list of greetings. There are also Jews who had become Christians. Number four, in verse 10, greet Apelles, who is approved in Christ, which probably means that he went through some kind of trial or difficult situation that was public, that was known to everybody, and he persevered and endured through it and was therefore tested and proven, approved in Christ. Number five, second half of verse 10. Greet those who belong to the family of Aristobulus. And similar in the second half of verse 11. Greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. One commentator said the greetings are probably directed to the slaves in the house of a master. Since the greeting is directed to the house of the persons in question and not the person like Aristobulus, it is likely that Aristobulus and Narcissus were not themselves Christians or may have been deceased. So as you look at this list, you have male and female, you have Jew and Gentile, you have slave and free, but all are one in Christ Jesus. Number six, verse 13. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. This may have been the son of Simon of Cyrene. Simon of Cyrene was the one who carried the cross of Christ. Mark 15, 21, and they compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. Rufus is chosen in the Lord, which doesn't mean that all these other people he mentions weren't. All believers are chosen in the Lord, but here he just seems to be encouraging Rufus especially with these words, reminding him that he is chosen in the Lord. And he also mentions his mother, and that's just such a wonderful thing, who had been a mother to Paul as well. And we're not sure why she isn't named, but I doubt she cared all that much. She cared for her son, and she cared for Paul, and that was what mattered most. And number seven, we have these two lists that start in verse 14, which may have been two different churches. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Petrobus, Hermas, and the brothers who are with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Nerus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. And then he closes with the exhortation in verse 16. Greet one another with a holy kiss, all the churches of Christ greet you. A holy kiss was a greeting, like our handshake or hug. 
It was to be a holy kiss as opposed to an unholy kiss, something sinful or inappropriate. It was to express brotherly and sisterly love that they had for one another in the family of God. And I think we can obey this command today by giving each other warm greetings in a culturally appropriate way. So those are the people Paul sends greetings to, greets. And let me close with two additional points of application here. Two ways I think all of this should, should shape us as a local church of believers. First, note the centrality of love. The centrality of love in these verses. Paul loves these people. They aren't just cogs in the machine of gospel advancement. These people are his personal friends, many of them. He values them. He values his relationships with them. He loves them. He has affection for them. And that shows in what he says. That shows in how he greets them in these verses. It's like what we heard from Tim last Sunday in 1 John 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And verses 11 and 12 of that chapter, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. The centrality of love in these verses should shape us as a local church. Love should be central in our fellowship. We should love one another as God has loved us. We don't want our fellowship to be like a bunch of people in an elevator. What do you do in an elevator? You certainly don't talk to anyone. You inspect the buttons. You read the weight limit and do some quick math, perhaps. You watch the numbers go up and down because that helps for some strange reason. But again, you certainly don't break the cardinal rule of elevator riding by actually speaking, actually saying something to someone else. But we don't want our fellowship to be like that. We don't want our fellowship to be like a bunch of strangers on an elevator. Rather, we want our fellowship to be like a family around the Thanksgiving table, feasting, talking, laughing, having meaningful conversation, enjoying one another's company. We want to have meaningful relationships in the body of Christ. We want to really know others and really be known by others. We want love to be central in our fellowship. Christ's love for us, flowing into us and then through us to each other. And note secondly and finally, not just the centrality of love, but the centrality of Christ. Notice the centrality of Christ in these verses. Follow along with your eyes. Verse two, that you may welcome her in the Lord. Verse three, greet Prissa and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. Second half of verse five, greet my beloved Eponidas who was the first convert to Christ in Asia. Second half of verse seven, they are well known to the apostles and they were in Christ before me. Verse eight, greet Ampliatus, my beloved, in the Lord. Verse nine, 
Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, verse 10. Greet Apelles, who is approved in Christ, second half of verse 11. Greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus, verse 12. Greet those workers in the Lord, Tryphena and Tryphosa. Greet the beloved Persis, who has worked hard in the Lord, verse 13. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, in the second half of verse 16. All the churches of Christ greet you. Christ is central in these greetings. The centrality of Christ in these verses should shape us as a local church. We want Christ to be central in our relationships, in our worship, in everything that we do. We want Christ to be central. We are all in Christ. We are all united to Christ by faith and we want all that we do to be in Christ. We wanna welcome each other in the Lord. We wanna be fellow workers in Christ Jesus. We wanna see converts to Christ. We want to see each other as beloved in the Lord. We wanna be approved in Christ. We wanna work hard in the Lord. We want to revel and rejoice in the fact that we are chosen in the Lord. We wanna be a true church of Christ that lives in Christ and for Christ. Not where we are central, not where our happiness is central, but where love is central, where Christ is central. We wanna be a church where the sun is at the center and everything and everyone orbits around him, where his love radiates from him to us and reflects off of us to each other. And may he bring that about more and more here in our church by his grace and for his glory. Let's pray together. Jesus, we pray that you would increase our love for one another and may may you and your love and your person and your work and your glory be at the center of all that we do as a church. We pray in your name, amen. Let's take a minute to think and pray about what we've heard and then we'll sing together.